Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 126. That's where we'll be this evening. That's Psalm 126. It reads, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is God's word. Amen. You may be seated. Won't you pray with me as we come to the Word? Oh Lord, we revel in the chance to sing praises together, to sing those words, great is the Lord. We want to praise and adore you. And we do. But we need your help in this moment. Oh Lord, we ask you to speak through your Word by your spirit, that you would nourish us, that we might feast on this word, sanctify us in the truth. I pray that it would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we would delight in this word that you have for us this evening. May Christ be exalted. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, the Psalms encourage the people of God as they come to him to share their full emotive experience and calibrate it to the truth. And so I can only imagine the experiences of you all as we're sitting here in this room and we've sung those words, great is the Lord, praise and adore him. I'm sure it's varied. We have fear Maybe joy, maybe sadness, maybe gladness, those who are exhausted and those who are delighted here this evening. There's a complexity to the human experience. And this psalm, Psalm 126, spans that gap. We've heard the text read and it sounds like we have two psalms tonight. Two different psalms. There's one that seems to be joyful and another one that seems to be sorrowful. One glad, one sad. Yet one psalm, one singer, a mixed emotive experience that's not just human, but it's distinctively Christian. And so, are you sad tonight? Are you glad tonight? Are you a mixture of both? Take heart. The word of God has anticipated you. And may we calibrate what we feel to the truth of Psalm 126. Simply put, 
I believe this psalm calls us to this sentence, to keep living in light of the Lord's restorative work. Keep living in light of the Lord's restorative work. Keep living, keep sowing, keep going. Keep living in light of the Lord's restorative work. And this text shows us how to do that in two ways. There's two ways. First, we must recall a restoration. And second, we must request a restoration. That's how we recalibrate our experiences, our emotions with the fullness of God's truth tonight. By recalling and by requesting a restoration. Why? So that we may keep living in light of the Lord's restorative work. So keep your Bibles open to Psalm 126 and take a look down at verse 1. The psalmist begins in verse 1 by recalling a specific restoration. And it's almost as if it's a grandfather sitting there next to his grandchild saying, let me take you back. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, let me tell you about that day, what it was like. This word restored means quite literally, to turn a turning, to bring back. And Zion, you might know, is commonly understood as the city of Jerusalem, the place synonymous with God's presence, the place of the temple. This is the place where God dwells with his people. So we're given a specific time that this is being referred to, but we don't know the exact historical situation There are a number of possibilities that uh, this could be referring to. Perhaps the most likely being when the people of God were brought back from exile. Once they were sent away into captivity under the Babylonians, and it was the prophet Jeremiah who, as a mouthpiece for God, he said these words, I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. A promise to restore. I will restore. If you were to read the book of Ezra, you'd see God working through King Cyrus, the the king of Persia, to bring his people back to Jerusalem and to restore an incredible fortune that was taken captive by the Babylonians. And you can read about the decree to restore the expansive gold and silver that belonged to the house of the Lord. The psalmist is recalling a restoration of the fortunes of Zion that at, it, at the very least, we can say, is like that of the Jews returning from exile. And the impact of that restoration, it's, it's introduced in the first half of verse 1, but it's described in the following verses. And I, I want to lean into this. This language, it's evocative. It helps us imagine what it was like. Take a look at your Bibles. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. It was like a dream. It was so good. It felt like it wasn't even real. I can remember as a kid, I wanted the Motorola Razor flip phone so badly. This is all, I thought about this. I can remember thinking about it in my bed at night. And the day came when I got one. 
and I was ecstatic. I could not believe it. I remember looking at it thinking, this is in my hands. I would practice opening it and closing it (laughs) with one thumb. I thought, this is the coolest thing. I had dreamed about having this phone, and I had it. Now I dream about getting rid of my cell phone. (laughs) To a much greater extent, like a child that dreams for something and finally has it. The reality of the people of God in Psalm 126 is described as, it was so good, it was like a, it was like a dream. It was that, that pinch me moment. Is this real? And, and I want you to hear, hear it. L- look, listen to the sounds in verse 2. Mouths are filled with laughter. We love laughter. And Proverbs says that a joyful heart is like good medicine. The thing about laughter is it's this full body experience. And sometimes it feels like it's this uncontrollable nature to it. We, we can't help but audibly let out a sound, a noise of joy, of delight. And when someone else is laughing, it is just contagious. I think of the, the laughter that's described in Genesis with Sarah. Not the first laughter of a lack of faith, but the laughter when she's provided a son, Isaac. A laughter of joy, recognizing God's provision. A laughter that others will share it. The people are laughing in Psalm 126 because they are incredulous. Their dreams have come true. What else do we hear? There's the tongue we see in verse 2. We hear uh, shouts of joy. It's, it's like a stadium erupting when their team, their home, the home team scores a goal. Shouts of joy, people jumping up and down, hugging one another, laughter. That's the noise of the scene. The noise of the scene of those who have tasted restoration. And I love that the world, the world takes notice of this. Did you see that? Second half of verse 2. The world takes notice. The, the impact is greater than just within Israel, within the Jews. It, it says that the nations, those outside of the covenant family, couldn't ignore what was happening. Even they audibly said, the Lord has done great things for them. They acknowledged the Lord. They said, Yahweh has done great things for them. And the psalmist says, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. I wonder if the Lord has done anything for you tonight. I wonder if the Lord has answered any prayers for you that caused you to jump up and down. Maybe not physically, maybe physically, maybe on the inside. Just delight, gladness. A dream that came true. Maybe it was a loved one with a severe sickness that was healed. A positive report. God restored. Maybe it was a loss of work that was then made available in a new way. Answer prayer. God restored. Maybe it was a fractured relationship that weighed on you that was reconciled. God restored. He brought it back. The Lord restores. It's part of the distinctive way in which God works. It's his MO. 
his modus operandi. It's how he acts. He restores. He brings things back. And so, are you glad tonight? Give him the praise. Give him the praise. The second song we sang, praise him. The Lord has done great things. And get this, God's restoration here in the text, it's targeted, it's personal. But don't let its impact just be personal. There's a public impact. When God restores, even the nations recognize what's going on here. And so don't separate the personal nature of God's work in your life with the public impact it can have. Can't we make this our prayer? That our neighbors would see our joy, our laughter as they're walking by. What's going on in there? That they might declare, Lord, would you bring our neighbors to declare the Lord has done great things for them? May our witness of gladness bring them to praise the one true and living God that they need to know. We are glad. That's how it ends, verse 3. Well, pastor, I thought you said this text was for everyone tonight. But I'm in a, I'm in a season where I don't have much to jump for joy about. There's actually not much laughter in my home this week. This year. These last few years. Where is this restorative work that you talk about, that the text talks about? Where is God in my situation? Have I been forgotten? It's almost as if the psalmist anticipates that voice and shifts from recalling a restoration to requesting one. Look at the shift. Look at verse 3. Look at how it finishes. We are glad. Recalling a restoration, shifting to requesting one. Goes from gladness to sadness, from shouts of joy to sounds of weeping. And it begins, restore our fortunes, O Lord. Is this the same psalm? Is this the same psalm that we have just been reading? I thought the fortunes had been restored. I thought it was a scene of pervasive laughter, of joy. I thought the the people were glad in the present in verse 3. What's happening here? That's all true. But isn't this the experience, our experience in this room? Smiles one day, tears the next day. Laughter in the morning and crying in the evening. We are those who know a restoration and yet still need a restoration. My wife and I, Kelsey, I want to honor my wife right here, have been working hard this week. She's been working harder at this than I have, but a project to restore our bathroom vanity. You can ask her about it afterwards. And we wanted to bring it back to its greatness. <laughs> you see, there were these, these scratches on the side. There were blemishes in the wood. There was even a smiley face carved in our vanity. 
nothing against smiley faces, but we wanted to restore it, the original way the wood looked. And so we put on the pre-stain on the wood. We put on the stain then that we chose. And then we, we put on the oil-based satin finish, the first coat. Then you have to wait four hours before you put on the second coat. Wait another four hours, you can put on the third coat. And after that first coat, I'm telling you, the vanity is looking good. But it's not done. The restoration process has begun. But it's not finished. I'm glad with what's been done. But I'm looking forward to the finished product. And if my vanity were preaching tonight, it would say, don't stop. Finish what you started. Put on that last layer. That coat of protection. Seal it. Finish it. So too here. That's the prayer of the psalmist requesting a restoration in verse 4. That's why the psalmist can say, restore our fortunes, O Lord. In all seriousness. Recognizing verse 1 through 3 are true. So is verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Catch the imagery here. The, the Negev is the, the southern part, southern part region of Israel. It's, it's dry land. It's parched. It waits for the rare opportunity to be refreshed by the waters that come streaming down from above. Parched. Is that you? Dry land. Requesting rain, longing for refreshment. If that's you, I desperately want to point you to verses 5 and 6. Christian, listen to these words. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Those who sow in tears shall shall reap with shouts of joy. You see, this was was first read and, and sung by those who lived and worked in a context a little bit different than our own. An agrarian context who labored in the work of sowing, in the work of bearing the seed, working the ground, investing time and hoping in the fruit that would come of a future harvest. This was the day-to-day activity. Can you see them? Can you see them laboring? Can you see them working with tears in their eyes? And the temptation is this. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to keep going? To keep sowing? What do I mean by that? To keep living my daily life while trusting in the promises of God when my circumstances tell me something otherwise. When I have tears in my eyes, is it worth it? Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. 
Success is certain. The outcome is secure. Joy is on the horizon. If that's true for them, how much more true is it for us tonight? Friends, the Christian has the unique privilege of knowing the certainty of future joy. We can push all our chips in, invest everything we have in light of what's to come. And so when the world hits us, and it will, and it brings us to our knees, and our eyes are filled with tears, and we're soaking the ground with our tears, we can sow even our sorrows and lament and grieve, not as those without hope, but as those who know that this is not the end, we know a restoration is coming. Notice the witness of the Christian, the witness in Psalm 126. It's one that weeps and yet still works. We are not driven to despair or inaction. We have a weeping and working witness. Do you have reason for this future joy? For real, real, and complete, final restoration. Think about the world we live in. It is the year 2023. And this world is still full of sorrow. Are you looking for real hope? Maybe you just walked in and you're exploring Christianity. What is, what's going on with this? Or maybe you've been coming your whole life. And you haven't yet received Christ. This future joy is not found outside of Jesus Christ. And I invite you to hear the good news today. Receive it by faith. Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, listen to this, has not only started restoration, but secures its finish. He has conquered the grave. He has given life to those who put their faith and trust in him. He is victorious and we are victorious right now over sin and death. He has restored fellowship between God and sinners. And we are promised in 1 Peter 5.10 that this restoration will be complete when he returns in his second coming. It reads, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's what's happening. To those who are like the nations tonight looking from the outside in, God's patience is meant to lead you to repentance. His kindness restraining, awaiting his return, meant to lead you to repentance. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Declare, say the words yourself, the Lord has done great things for me. And to those of us following Jesus tonight, maybe 
many here following Jesus with tears in your eyes this week, you have great reason, hear me, to keep sowing. Jesus has started and secured your restoration. That's why the Apostle Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. You have great reason to persevere. And so as I close, and I'm about done here, I want to leave you with this. What does it look like to live this out? To walk out of these doors and to respond to Psalm 126. Consider this. Christ has modeled. He's given us the model for what it looks like to live in light of his restorative work. Was it not our Savior who wept over Jerusalem? Was it not our Savior who at the death of Lazarus was weeping? Was it not our Savior, as Isaiah prophesied, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? And yet, Hebrews tells us, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Dear friend, Jesus knew joy was coming. To the parent with tears in their eyes tonight, lack of sleep, Joy is coming. To the aged with weeping frustration over a failing body, joy is coming. To the caretaker who wonders, how long, O Lord? Joy is coming. To the teenager with sadness and tears of loneliness and rejection, joy is coming. Keep going. Keep sowing. We recall with the psalmist, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. That is true. And yet we request with the psalmist, restore our fortunes, O Lord. Restore it. Come quickly. Finish what you started. Both remind us to keep living in light of the Lord's restorative work found in Christ. And I pray that we would this week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can testify that you have done great, great things for us. We are glad, Lord. Thank you for the death and resurrection of your Son, taking our place on the cross, reconciling us, restoring relationship between us and you, O God. We thank you. And yet we still long for the day when Christ will return. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. We thank you for these words, that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. We thank you that the outcome is certain. And help us to live in light of that restorative work in Christ, we pray. Amen.